With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Six goals, two hard-fought victories, home and away. A hugely important week in Manchester United's top four pursuit as a draw between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur in the North London derby means Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Reds leapfrog the Gunners. United beat Crystal Palace 3-1 on Wednesday night in South London before a 3-2 comeback victory against Southampton at Old Trafford. Romelu Lukaku scores four goals in a week to silence his critics, including us. Welcome to Series 4, Episode 30 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast where we discuss those two games, the two wins, preview the away leg of United's Champions League knockout fixture against Paris Saint-Germain and more and as always there's our extensive youth loan and women's roundup unique to the Manchester United weekly podcast. Jack a, a very very good week for Manchester United a week where after injuries to eight first team players uh, fears that Manchester United midfield could collapse that United's attack could collapse um, and the defence could also collapse because of the lack of protection from a very injury struck midfield Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactical decisions, uh, helped by his team of Fiedel and McKenna, Dempsey and Carrick, and more, and some very good performances from from fringe players. And United have been left in a fantastic position, sitting in fourth, one point above Arsenal. It's a week that ended up becoming a lot more important than we ever thought it would at the start of the season. If you looked at a fixture mm. list of Palace and Southampton, especially coming off the back of so many important games in the last few weeks. You wouldn't have thought that this would be a particularly important week in the grand scheme of our season. But with the circumstances coming off of some very good results recently, with all the injury problems, coming back from those injury problems and kind of proving that we can change, change things up, we can rely on some of our more fringe players to get the job done was a really, really important statement, if, if nothing else. Obviously keeps our momentum up, which is great. Six points was perfect, especially with uh, both Arsenal and Spurs dropping points, obviously. Now into the top four, uh, I think, well, we're a point above Arsenal now um, and only, I think, three back off Spurs um, off the top of my head. So really, really important results for that, obviously, for the table. But more so, I think it was a statement to, our, to ourselves that, you know, we don't necessarily need our star players to be playing every single week for us to be able to, to get wins. And it was great to see the likes of Pereira and Lukaku coming through when we really needed them because... 
especially in Lukaku's case, been heavily criticised, I think rightly so, for much of the season. But he's really pulled it out of the bag this week. You know, obviously four goals in, in these two games. A lot of shouts now saying Lukaku could be right-footed after all these right-footed goals that he scored. But it was great to see him and Pereira coming through when we needed them. Yeah, I think that's the big thing with the with the week. You're definitely right that it's definitely right that it's been much more important than we ever could have known. I think even more important than and in these two games have ended up being more important than Liverpool. And as you say, no, no one could have predicted that. But I think, yeah, the big thing is that United's injury crisis, which caused it to be fair because of the mood around the club it didn't cause as much panic as it perhaps would have done at a different time this season but um it did it did cause some panic um and worry and we said the United season could slide away if it wasn't managed correctly but instead it has ended up being incredibly beneficial um McTominay, Pereira, Lukaku and Dallow have all taken opportunities and I think the key thing is that before the injury Solskjaer's side was completely reliant on our starting 11 there was perhaps uh, one substitute player who was part of that key core 12 players who had really found their confidence under Solskjaer and I think the difference now is we've got a, a more balanced and confident squad which is the whole squad is now confident you've got players like Pereira and McTominay in backup who have also been given that that ego boost if you like from from goals or solid performances so I think, I think that's the, the key difference It's going to end up being hugely important because the fixture list is going to keep being very congested until the end of the season you know, especially if we if we beat Wolves in the next round of the FA Cup, that adds another fixture to our schedule. There's a lot of midweek games between now and the end of the season, and it's so important that we have some of those those squad players who are able to come in and fit into the team almost seamlessly. You know, we spoke last time about how some of Solskjaer's lack of rotation was probably a big factor in causing a lot of the injuries that we were suffering, and hopefully now he'll have a lot more confidence yeah. to rotate his team a little bit more. You know, we have to remember that as well as Solskjaer has done, he's still a relatively inexperienced manager, especially at this level. He obviously has been at Mould for a few years, had some experience at Cardiff, but this is the first time he's ever been in such a high profile job and he's still learning as he goes as well. And so hopefully now he'll be much more confident to rotate his teams a lot more. He will have learned his lesson about, you know, just putting the same team out week in, week out because... I think it was pretty much what the first seven or eight games of his of his reign. It was pretty much the same starting the, eleven. I think the only game was uh, probably the FA Cup game against Reading, where he rested quite a lot of players. I was actually going to praise yeah. him partly for because I think I think it definitely deserves some criticism. Probably the only thing we can criticise him for is for for the lack of rotation causing the injuries. I think that is true, but. I, I understood it and the thing I wanted to praise him for is the fact that you got someone like Andreas Pereira who came in against Burnley and firstly got the opportunity against Burnley and when he did badly uh, Solskjaer then brought him on despite him having made a couple of mistakes and in the Chelsea Cup game the 2-0 win at Stamford Bridge Andreas Pereira was brought on with 15 minutes left there was no need for that he didn't need to bring Pereira on to change the game um, and I think United probably would have been more comfortable without Pereira on. Or well, I think most people would have thought that before this this recent two good performances from Pereira. I think I think that little fifteen minutes for Pereira is it's a big show of faith to have a bad game against Burnley and to be brought on in the FA Cup. Uh, what is it, the, the fifth or the sixth round at Stamford Bridge when United are winning against Chelsea? That, that is key for those squad players um, to be given that opportunity. Yeah, it's little things. Yeah, just exactly. little things like that are massive for squad players. Just giving them a few opportunities here and there. It doesn't have to be 90 minutes every week, but they they just want an oppo- a chance to prove themselves and to prove that they, they belong in, in the starting eleven. It was the same thing with, with James Garner against Palace. 
there was no need to bring James Garner on with two or three minutes left. You know, he, we easily could have kept... Uh, who did he come on for? Was it uh, was it Fred he came yeah. on? I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Um, but there, there was no need to make that substitution. But that, to James Garner, is a massive, massive moment for him. And it was the same with players like Pereira, like you said, coming on against Chelsea. And it just keeps them in the loop. It keeps them feeling like they're sort of part of, of the main group of players. And it makes a massive difference because it means that when they do have to be relied upon to start, they're much more likely to come in and be able to fit into the team well. Yeah, I think the other thing that we have to praise Solskjaer for a lot is the fact that he's been willing to change to based around who is able to play. There are so many managers who want to just play the same way all the time regardless of who's on the pitch. And while some managers are kind of able to, to, to do that, Solskjaer's been able to recognise that he can't necessarily play the same way that and with the same system that he plays when we have all of our players fit. And so when he has the likes of McTominay, Pogba and Pereira, who are going to be his midfield, he's realised that he has to switch up the formation, switch up the way that we try and play, especially without uh, Martial and Lingard playing up front as well. And I think he's done very, very well to try and adapt to the circumstances that are going on, both within the games, like, like we saw against Liverpool, and also between games, there's clearly been a lot of work going on trying to implement this new sort of diamond system that he's, that he's now uh, favouring. I think they've done really, really good tactical work to try and deal with these injuries. Solskjaer's been really adaptable and pragmatic. And uh, he's had United's ideals at heart, but at the same time, he has shown himself to be adaptable and pragmatic, which is something I think that most people perhaps wouldn't have expected and haven't given him credit for because they've been so focused on his uh, smiley persona and kind of bubbly character. Um, it's kind of like pragmatism with limits, you know, rather than yeah. sort of the Jose pragmatism where it's anything can be discarded in favour of a of a 1-0 win potentially it's yeah. like I'll be well, pragmatic it, but within these sort of attacking football boundaries that he set out yeah definitely I think it obviously it's, it's massively helped by the, the fact that United are winning games um, oh yeah or I think United have deserved their results in every game that Solskjaer's been in charge for but obviously uh, our, our take on his pragmatism and there will be limits at some point when we start to lose games and probably lo- we'll lose two on the bounce at some point if Solskjaer becomes the permanent manager and obviously it, things will feel slightly different then but uh, and I've been really impressed because as you say switching the formations up and I think uh, I think it's probably been forced a little bit because you see new managers come in and they have the pre-season to to work with their team and they get their, their ideals in, they get the Maurizio Sarri gets his his philosophy in, Pep Guardiola does the same and obviously you do that as a manager, that's that's exactly what you should do. Because he's come halfway through the season, he's effectively been forced to be pragmatic and to not instill this one formation of 4-3-3 or, or, or the 4-2-3-1 uh, diamond, whatever. He's had to change and I think that massively helps because we go to Stamford Bridge, we know exactly how Chelsea are going to play but we surprise them with matter at the tip of a diamond and I think that it's kind of been forced to do that but it's been very beneficial to United yeah it's, it's, it's a tough situation when you come in halfway through the season because you're kind of limited in, in what you can do especially when you do have a style of play that you really want your team to be able to, to play it's tough to come in and, and you know implement that straight away I remember I think I've said this before on here but I remember when uh, Pochettino first went to Spurs and he found it really, really tough in that first season because his players just weren't fit enough to to play that sort of really intense pressing game that he wanted. And it, it's that is an example of how difficult it can be for a manager, especially a manager who has sort of a set philosophy and a set way that they want to play. It's really, really difficult when you come in midway through a season to get your team working in exactly the way that you want to. And Solskjaer's done really, really well, I think, 
to try and implement the style of football that he wants to play because he still has done that to a large degree. But he's done really, really well to recognise kind of the limits of that as well and recognise where he might not be able to do everything exactly the way that he wants, where he might have to tinker with things a little bit depending on who's available or depending on who we're playing. You know, I think he's done a great job of, of kind of managing that. I, I mean, I, I just can't praise the, the coaching staff enough, not just Solskjaer, but obviously Carrick, Kira McKenna as well. Everyone in the in the coaching staff has done such a good job, I think, of of managing the situation that we've been in because we've made the changes that we needed to make to change us from obviously this very boring sort of sluggish team that that we were under Mourinho, and we are a very different team now. But they also haven't tried to go too far to a point where the players don't have any idea what they're doing, and like we said, they are still being very pragmatic where they need to be and being adaptable to whatever the sort of circumstances are that we're yeah. playing in. I think. Do you remember when um, Roberto Martinez took over from David Moyes at Everton and he had a fantastic first season um, and then things kind of fell off? I think the... I'm not predicting that's going to happen. I don't think that will happen. But I think on a a very small scale, I think Solskjaer's been really important and I I heard him speak about it the the other day about working on the defensive shape and the back four, knowing where they're playing in the back four. So perhaps this is unfair for me to say, but I think United have probably benefited from from Mourinho's defensive structure that he had built up. And I'm not saying it was a good thing because it left us as an incredibly boring side, but I think because Solskjaer has that base foundation with with which to work with, and has kind of moulded it to be a lot better and a lot smoother and uh, much better. I mean, just overall, I think that's probably been beneficial. I don't think it will fall off because I think he has uh, the coaching quality there to not do what Roberto Martinez did. But just a small point. But I wanted to pick out a few of um, the the biggest kind of tactical changes and and uh, adaptability that we've seen over the last week or so. Um, starting with Palace, uh, starting with Diogo Dallo and Ashley Young. Dallow on the right wing, Young at, um, at the more traditional right back position, kind of switching roles weirdly. Um, the veteran and the youngster, and protected against Wilfred Zaha fantastically. And then he made a little tweak later in the game. But first of all, it's just that kind of he could have played to Heath Chong, and it would have been fantastic to see Chong. But actually, playing Dallow and Young together on that right side was a brilliant tactical decision that helped to nullify Zaha to a certain extent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was. Very worried when I initially saw the MUTV team sheet that had Ashley Young playing as the right winger instead of Darlow. Um, but I think at the end it was a it was a really good decision by Solskjaer because, like you said, it's really easy to go to places like Selhurst Park and, and with no disrespect to Palace, they're not the kind of team that you face often and you think about what, the threat that they might pose. You kind of think about the threat that you're going to pose to Palace and imposing yourself on them. But I think they they did a really good job actually of just admitting that that Zaha is a very good player and it's someone that we needed to pay extra attention to and the combination of Darlow and Young did really really well down that right hand side I thought Darlow had a great game which he then carried on into Southampton as well when he came on I think he created uh, the most chances of anyone in the game even though he came on in like the 55th minute or something so he's in, he's played really well and I think Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit for for setting us up against Palace in that way I mean, I've I've been very critical of Ashley Young and I will continue to be yeah. very critical of Ashley Young if he keeps playing in the same way. But 
I think having him and, and Darlow down that right-hand side really, really helped against Palace. To be fair to Young, and I'm also critical of him, despite him having been my favourite player when he first joined United, weirdly. In fact, he was one of my favourite players before he signed for United, which is a, a criminal thing to think, given he played for Aston Villa, but it, it was a weird When one. I was actually watching the uh, the United-Liverpool game in a pub, I was sitting next to a guy with an Ashley Young, so like 2010 <laughs> uh, United kit on, and it was just reminded me of the 8-2. <laughs> How times yeah, yeah. have changed. But to be fair to Young, and we have been critical of him, I think deservedly so, because he shouldn't be United's long-term term right back. But as a right back, I think he's he copes with players a lot better than some right backs do. Players like Zaha and Eden Hazard, who can manoeuvre the ball from inside to outside, who can cut in and cut out on a whim. And Young's kind of that kind of slippery bastard who can suddenly turn around and then has the brilliant pace and acceleration to be able to deal with that. So I was, I was slightly confused when he played Dallow at right wing and Young at right back but actually I think it was a much better decision because Young is better at coping with that from what we've seen in the Premier League so far but also then Palace got their goal um, which was actually a mistake from Ashley Young but um, Solskjaer then changed it and, and showed that pragmatism brought Eric Bailly on shifted Young forward and six minutes later Ashley Young scored the, the goal that wrapped the game up for United and, and they controlled it from there so it was it was I think what we saw with the Palace game, eight first-team injuries coming into it. Rashford managed to make the bench, so only eight. <laughs> I say only eight because people uh, said there were ten going into it. But yeah, eight first-team injuries. Rashford comes off the bench, and Rashford didn't really do much, but his running kind of helped to cause problems on the Palace defence as well. And we saw from Solskjaer both good pre-game decision-making in terms of Dallow and Young and the, the kind of surprise of having uh, Fred in there. And then we also saw the in-game ability to, to change the game. Yeah, both sides of it, in-game and, and pre-game switches, were really, really effective from Solskjaer. You're, you're definitely right about Young being a slippery bastard. It's probably the best way I can possibly describe him. He does <laughs> kind of respect. just get under the... Yeah, just kind of gets under the skin of, of whoever's around him. And it, he did deal with, with Zaha pretty well, apart from the goal. But yeah, you're right about Solskjaer's in-game changes. I think it's probably... To be fair, it's probably the part of his management I think that's been weakest so far. He has made some good substitutions, but I think in general he's maybe been a little bit slow to react. But in, against Palace, I thought his substitutions were very, very good, especially bringing on Bailly and just adding that extra uh, defensive presence in there. Obviously, yeah. Young, when he got switched forward, obviously ended up getting the goal. But I think it, it did a lot to try to kind of help us solidify at the back. I still would love to see a Lindelof and Bailly partnership be tested uh, long term. Because as well as I think Smalling has, has done recently, some of those moments in the Southampton game were kind of more evidence of why I think Bay is probably more of the answer at centre-back, although we probably probably need a whole new starting centre-back in the summer. But either way, I think yeah. Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit. I, I think the Palace game was probably his best game in terms of changing things both pre-game and in-game and how yeah. effective they were. You know, we've had some great tactical displays against Spurs and against Chelsea, even against Arsenal as well. But I think for the circumstances that we had with all of the injuries and kind of the surprises that we had with the lineup with Darlow and Young both starting, and even the Bailly sub, when, when Bailly kind of came on, I was kind of a bit wary of, of Bailly playing right back, position where he hasn't, he hasn't really played very much for United at all. But I think Solskjaer, that was probably his best game in terms of making some quite drastic changes and all of them coming off really really well yeah and you mentioned the the, the Lindelof and Bailly situation I think it's worth also noting that there is no longer any controversy or 
discussion pretty much over who starts in United's defence every game. It is Lindelof and someone else, and no one really cares who. I mean, people people have their opinions. For example, you want by. I think I probably want by. Some people want Smalling. Some people want Jones. Weirdly, um, but there there isn't any <laughs> controversy over over the matter. It is Victor Lindelof and someone else, and no one. Yeah, no one and questions I, I think that. part of that is because Lindelof is clearly yeah, so definitely. clearly our first choice centre back that. And the others, all right, you know, I probably, th- I think Bai is a better option than Small and some people would say the opposite. But realistically, similar, yeah. there isn't that much between yeah. the others. And so as long as it's Lindelof and someone else, we're not really losing out on yeah. too much. I think we should also give credit for the, the Southampton game, uh, a very poor first half. I think United started well in the first five minutes and then that head injury to Scott McTominay slowed the game down and Southampton came out. And if they hadn't yeah. scored that brilliant goal from Jan Valerie um, from like 25 yards out, just a, a beautiful strike, um, I think they would have scored within the next 10 minutes. So I, I don't yeah, think it made much difference. Um, and then once they scored, United slowly started to... to kind of wrestle the game back into their control um, and the response was fantastic I think there were so many players who deserve credit um, Andreas Pereira's goal was, was just superb Romelu Lukaku I think we should probably talk about first because we've given him a lot of stick and he has been fantastic this week and, and kind of has dragged Manchester United to two wins um, with a, a couple of very passionate celebrations and rightly so he's been a man under pressure he hasn't scored for six weeks I think four goals in two games and it's fantastic to see him back in form um, with two two fantastic finishes against um, Palace and Southampton two goals in each game I, I think particularly from us we need to give him credit yeah, and three of those four finishes were all incredibly similar with his right foot kind of curling them into the far corner. Uh, just before I get to Lukaku, yeah. actually, I just want to quickly um, say a little bit about kind of how I think Southampton were so good in the first half because they pressed us so, so quickly. Whenever we had the ball at the back, they were completely on us. And I think that is probably the area, the only time where I really re- saw the difference between the midfield we have playing at the moment and the midfield we would normally have playing because I think... Although Matic and Herrera aren't the best midfielders on the ball in the league by any means, they are still a lot more comfortable under pressure than especially McTominay and to a lesser extent Pereira. And Hartl put his team out to press us very, very quickly high up the pitch. And that was a big reason why we just couldn't get anything going against Southampton because we couldn't, we couldn't even get out of our own yeah. half. We just didn't have the players that were capable of, of breaking that press. Um, but anyway, on, on to Lukaku has been just brilliant this, this week. I've given him a lot of stick and I, I stand by everything that I've said in the past because he hasn't been good enough this season and I, I don't think a lot of his performances have, have been acceptable. But to be fair to him, he's done so, so well this week. His general play improved a lot. You know, even even last season when he was scoring goals, a lot of the criticisms that we had of him was that his general play wasn't particularly good and even though he was scoring goals, he was actually kind of making us less fluid in our play. But he's done really well in the last two games, even three games, where I think his his build-up play has been much better. He's been able to control the ball a lot better and bring other people into play. And I think it really, really helps him playing alongside someone else, You know, especially against um, Southampton. We went with two up front yeah. for the majority of the game. I think that really helps Lukaku because it just means he can be a bit more varied in his runs. And I've realised that, and we, we kind of spoke about this a little bit earlier in the season, how even though Lukaku kind of physically is has the dimensions of being a classic sort of target man striker it's never really been his game and he seems to thrive more when he's off running into the channels and when he has a strike partner with him he has a little bit more freedom to go and do that well, also, especially because we don't have 
as many natural wide players at the moment. Yeah, and also because he can run into those wide positions, if he's got a partner with him, he then has someone to aim for in the box, who is Marcus Rashford. Whereas when he's playing up front yeah. and you've got, say, Alexis Lingard, those are the, those players aren't going to be in the box. They're going to be waiting on the edge of the box to do what Lukaku himself is doing, which is delivering that ball in. So I think having Rashford there is, is fantastic for him. But yeah, the, the, the finishes were brilliant. Um, and then the there's the added better. there's the added presence of Pogba as well yeah. getting into the box because now he has a lot more license to get forward than he did under Mourinho well, and Andreas Pereira stepping forward something Solskjaer said after the game he said maybe we found a better position for Pereira he's more of an eight or a ten he's got high energy good passing yeah. etc I think it's definitely true we we said it on this podcast a number of times Pereira is not a defensive midfielder he's not a holding midfielder he's not a deep line playmaker that's just not where he should be playing he was fantastic uh, who else uh, we we have got that long but we need to mention a few other players who have been fantastic over the last week Luke Shaw um, the, the, I mean the, the, the run for the goal he set up against Palace for Lukaku was just fantastic it reminded me of the run he made when he broke his leg against PSV uh, four years yeah. ago but just incisive brilliant footwork and released it at the perfect time and he's been brilliant defensively and I remember talking on the podcast last week saying Shaw's been great defensively but we haven't seen we haven't seen as much from him in attack and we have now yeah and there's, there's been plenty of examples in the last couple of weeks where he's made a big difference going forward. Even even if you look at Pereira's goal as well, his decoy run creates so much space for Herrera, for Pereira, sorry, and it gives him the room to be able to get the ball out of his feet and and put that shot in in, in on goal. I think every single person, both at Old Trafford and around the world, watching the game was probably screaming at Pereira to play in short down the left. <laughs> but in the end, he, he made the right decision and cold in that world. Yeah, and Dallow was the man who changed the game. I think although that change to bring Sanchez yeah. off was forced for Solskjaer uh, they did respond well they made the right change I think is a key thing um, and I think the, I think as you say I think Solskjaer sometimes too slow to react so far and I don't think he would have brought Sanchez off if he hadn't been injured which is uh, possibly a problem but when Sanchez did come off injured Dallow comes on he was fantastic those runs coming inside brilliant those runs on the outside brilliant anything Dallow does in that right wing position has been superb against Palace and, and Southampton. Um and I think, yeah, deserves a lot of praise, Dallow, for for his impact as a nineteen year old and yeah, doing brilliantly. I still forget quite often that he's nineteen years old because well firstly he doesn't look nineteen years old. Um but the way you, the way he plays is just you know, maybe not of a veteran, but definitely not of, of a teenager. He seems so much more composed than even if you compare him to the likes of, you know, Tahith Chong, Angel Gomez, James Garner, those kind of players who are all great talents. Don't get me wrong, but Darlo just looks so much more composed and like he plays like more of an experienced player than a lot of those guys. A lot of that probably comes from the fact that he's mm. played a lot more senior football. Um, obviously, back in Portugal before he came to United, and so you kind of gain that experience the more that you play. But I think he he looks like a great talent. I really think we need to see him for an extended run at, at right back because I think right back is, a, is an interesting position for us this summer you know right now I would say we probably don't have a good enough right back at the moment between Young or Darlow um, Young yeah. is okay um, but he's, he's pretty average at, at best you you would probably say despite being a slippery bastard sometimes um, and, and Darlow as much as I rate <laughs> Darlow and I think he could be a very very good player for us at the moment, you'd probably worry a little bit that he's maybe a little bit too inexperienced and maybe not quite good enough defensively to play right back for us as our start as our starter. So I think we need to to see Darlow from now until the end of the season get an extended run of games at right back and really figure out whether we can afford to not bring in someone else over the summer. Um, 
I guess you, the ideal scenario would probably be yeah. bring in an experienced right back who could play for a couple of seasons and with, with Darlow kind of learning from them in training and then Darlow to take over permanently. But regardless of, of sort of when that happens, it looks like we have a great talent on our hands. I'd, I'd just throw Darlow in there straight away. New manager, no one's expecting us to win the title next season, I don't think. Just throw him in there by the time we're, we're wanting to be challenging for the title, which is probably not next season, but the season after. Um, he'll be 20 going on 21 and that's fine. He, he looks like a talent who can can handle that, and he's clearly got great maturity. And Iko Yogala asked on Twitter, it's time for Dallas to get an extended run in the team, but where do we play him so that in the long run the team benefits and improves? Well, you've got your answer there. Jack says, right back, I say, right back, um, even though he's doing really well on the wing. And there's, there's nothing wrong with playing I mean, him on I, the wing. I don't, think there's, I don't think you can necessarily say that he will definitely end up at right back. There is still a chance that he might end up as a right winger, but yeah. I think we we at least need to see him play at right back for a, a long amount of time to decide whether he can play there or not. Because so far we just see him sort of one game every month or so playing at right back and it's kind of hard to tell whether he can actually do it from that. So yeah. even if even if he does end up being a, a right winger long term, which I could potentially see happening, we need to at least be able to say definitely whether he is a right back or not. Yeah, final thing we'll say before we move on to the youth loan and women's roundup is that uh, United didn't change their style when they conceded that second goal, that fantastic James Ward-Prowse free kick against Southampton United, did not resort to hoofball or Fellaini ball uh, because Fellaini was scoring a goal in China. And I think that's notable. They didn't change the style throughout the game. They carried on going. They changed their shape when Dallow came on, um, which was a very, very good change and a very impactful. But with no Fellaini as plan B, we continue to kind of work hard on what we're good at rather than resorting to, to long balls. I think that's a, a massive positive. And I think the biggest positive is the fact that it came off and we got our winning goal. So it, it, it vindicated that decision. Oh, 100%. I think that was one of the most pleasing aspects of, of the entire game. We never resorted to long balls. And that's not. And to be fair, we even did have some players on the pitch that we could have used to play a kind of a long ball uh, sort of game as well. You know, we could have thrown Smalling up front like we've seen uh, before. We had Lukaku on the pitch, who's very good in the air. Pogba, you know, we had players who were capable of, of sort of playing that style. And it's so pleasing that we never did. We kind of stuck true to how we've been playing and what's been successful. Right, United's youth sides have been impacted by the recent injuries with Chong, Gomez and Garner and Greenwood, in fact, stepping up into the first team squad or at least travelling with them. That's given chances to some of the younger players in the under-18s and under-23s and even the under-16s to get more game time at higher levels. Under-16, Mipo Ojubeko, a striker, has been in action for the under-18s, as I told you last week. And the under-18s drew 2-2 with West Brom on Saturday morning at the Aeon Training Complex. Dion McGee scored a superb goal and Ted and Mengi saw an effort deflected in, but United uh, conceded to silly goals to to only draw against West Brom at Carrington Shola Shortere 15 year old made his debut at this level on that day as well coming off the bench having already become United's youngest ever under 18s player in the UEFA Youth League earlier this season at the age of 14 Welsh player Eastin Hughes also made his debut they both did well from the bench and goalkeeper Jacob Carney has been getting more chances of late and is impressing the under-23s, meanwhile, lost 2-1 to Norwich despite going ahead through a Josh Bowie strike. The former Brentford forward shimmied to his right, then his left on the right side of the area before a fantastic swerving and dipping strike into that far left corner. Poor defending, uh, same as the under-18s, saw another loss for United and it's a, a familiar theme at both levels. In low news, Ethan Hamilton has been winning awards for his goals with relegation-threatened Rochdale in League One. 
Kieran O'Hara remains Macclesfield's number one and they lost 3-0 to Berry at the weekend. James Wilson came off the bench for Aberdeen in a 1-1 cup draw against Rangers up in Scotland. Regan Paul, the defender, played the full game in Newport County's 2-0 win against Carlisle United and Zach Durnley started up front for Oldham Athletic under the management of Paul Scholes in a 1-1 draw with Stevenage. He's been used as a striker at the moment, used to play on the wing. Manchester United's women's team don't play until next Sunday. Uh, they beat Sheffield United, I think it was 4-0 last week, but we told you about that last week in the Championship and they play in the Championship again next Sunday against Leicester. But the under-16s girls' side lost in the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup against Chelsea on penalties, beaten 5-4, but fantastic effort for them to get that far. Now, Jack, a massive game on Wednesday. Um, no one's really given us a chance, and I think probably rightly so, but, well, at least fairly so. Um, I don't think anyone's complaining about the fact that people are half writing us off so far but United do have a chance um, 2 nil down going to Paris uh, lots of injuries Pogba suspended we haven't got any of our first choice midfielders we need to win 2 nil to force extra time or win by two goals to win for example a 3-1 win Pogba suspended Matic and Herrera injured Martial unlikely to be available Solskjaer said this morning Lingard out Alexis out Matter out um, yeah, I mean things in a way aren't looking good at all but Lukaku back on form is positive Dallow is an option uh, Fred Pereira and McTominay have been playing better but still a massive worry against players like Verratti um, and, and PSG's brilliant attack yeah it kind of goes back to what we were saying saying at the start of the episode you know it's all these squad players playing so well it's a, a massive positive for us because it means we can at least go into the PSG game thinking whether you know it's very very unlikely that we will get something out of the tyre but at least we can go there and, and compete with PSG if, you, if you'd have said a, a couple of weeks ago that we'd be facing PSG with you know, a potential midfield of Pogba, McTominay, Pereira and Darlow, you'd be thinking we'd be about 4-0 down inside 20 minutes. I mean, it's it's a massive change. And listen, any, anything can happen in the, in the Champions League. I don't expect us to, to win the tie, and I don't really think anyone is. I I'd, all, all I'm hoping for is that we at least put a decent account of ourselves out on the night. Ho- hopefully, if we can at least not, you know, avoid defeat on the night, I would say that would be a positive outcome from the game. Yeah, and listen, if we get the first goal, who knows what can happen? You know, PSG have a reputation of I don't I don't want to call them bottlers because it feels like a lazy kind of stereotype, but they do have a history of blowing some some very comfortable leads and of maybe choking in Europe. So you never know what might happen if we can get an early goal. You know, go into half time with the lead, then anything can happen in the second half. The the big thing for us though really is is making sure we don't concede because if we concede one goal, then it's not curtains, but then it becomes really, really tough. Yeah, I think I'd have to disagree with you slightly. I think I'm I'm going into the game hoping that we win and we go through <laughs> because it might be the hope that kills you, but I mean, that's that's the point of football, to be honest. And obviously, if, if we hadn't had such good form and, and we weren't so entertained by our side and in love with our manager, then I wouldn't be hoping that we're going to go through. I'd, I'd be thinking, no, we're done. Um, but I, I mean... I don't, I don't want to lie and say I'm hoping we just kind of win by one goal on the night and don't kind of disgrace ourselves because when it comes to the day when it comes to the morning of the game I'm going to wake up and think yeah let's go and beat PSG and master <laughs> one of the greatest comebacks in the Champions League at this stage of the competition that United have ever managed um, We uh, we've done it before obviously it's more difficult going away in the second leg obviously we've got a lot of injuries but and I don't think we will do it but I'm going to go into it hoping that we do it realistically you want to say there's no chance of United doing it but I don't want to tell myself that um, and <laughs> in terms of how United play it's, it's really difficult to see 
what they can do. Um, because PSG will have a fully fit Verratti, who is a fantastic player. Marquinhos did very well against um, United in the first leg. I think one interesting thing will be the fact that without Pogba, um, and no Pogba is a massive worry because we only had one game under Solskjaer without him playing, and that was, as I said earlier, the FA Cup third round game against Reading, which we didn't need him for. So no Pogba, but I think interestingly, because no Pogba, it'll be intriguing to see how PSG play because we saw Marquinhos defend Pogba out of the game, basically, um, at Old Trafford. There won't be that one player in United's team that PSG tries to mark now. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a more balanced, a more average side United will put out, but a more balanced team. I mean, you could maybe say Rashford would be the one player that you'd, you'd focus on the most, but... I mean, Rashford, as good as he has been, I don't think commands yeah. attention like Pogba does. And and just through him not being a midfielder, even though he can come up with really special moments, you know, it's very tough for a striker to dictate a game the way that a midfielder can. So yeah, I think you're right. It might end up creating a few more opportunities for us. At least at least make, make PSG kind of defend in a more orthodox way, um, which hopefully will create a little bit more space for us in, in midfield. Because that was one of the things that we really struggled with in the first leg, was PSG just congested midfield so well uh, and obviously Mark Pogba pretty much out of the game and it, it just stopped us be, being able to build up any rhythm I, listen I, it's going to be tough either, either way but we, we just got to go out there and, and play positively it's the only way we know how under Solskjaer prediction prediction I'll say a 2-1 United win on the night but we go out United to win 4-0 Lukaku to get a hat-trick Rashford <laughs> to score one Pogba to run on the pitch from the stand and rip his shirt off and Right, Alele Rouge. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to make a prediction because I'm only going to disappoint myself when we inevitably go out. But I, I mean, it just we've said this so many times. We've said it going into so many games. We've said it after the Liverpool game that the fact that we were disappointed by drawing to the league leaders, who are now fantastically not top of the league anymore, which is beautiful to see. Um, just yeah. made my day much better. Just thinking ahead, um, I think going into that Manchester derby is going to be the weirdest feeling ever. <laughs> Yeah, very much. But the, the point I was trying to make before I got distracted by my joy at the fact that Liverpool are now second <laughs> is... Um, Did the wind distract you, Harry? <laughs> the wind, the grass, United's injuries, yeah. But yeah, the fact that I'm going into this game with any kind of hope at all is, is both ridiculous, um, it's stupid, I shouldn't be doing it, but that's that's what we've managed to do. That's what Solskjaer yeah. and his team Being have managed to do. Being a football fan is an irrational game. Yeah, definitely. Right, that's all we have time for uh, on another packed episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast for you all. For more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter. At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 The podcast is at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. And remember to share it with your mates on Twitter and leave us a review on iTunes. Have a great week. Enjoy the PSG game. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. Network.